This morning, we're going to be reading again from Selected Proverbs, uh, several passages, beginning with this one. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And in James, it reads, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, wow, you really said it back. That's nice. Um, Good to be here and to continue this series on Proverbs. Uh, the word of wisdom today concerns honesty and integrity. My wife, as many of you know, is a principal of an elementary school. Um, her job is to oversee um, children basically from the age of kindergarten through grade two. Um, the number is something like six or seven hundred kids, so you can imagine what it's like at her school day after day. Um, they have a lot of little sayings, you know, about how to conduct yourself and uh, how to be a good person. And one of the sayings they have that they repeat over and over again is, tell the truth from the beginning of the story until the end of the story. Why? Because children like us, we like to tell a narrative, a story about what just happened or what happened in the past. And we very selectively include things and exclude things for our own benefit. So the point is, tell the story, but tell it completely and tell it truthfully. On one occasion, uh, a little girl uh, was in trouble for something or another, and she was in my wife's office, and um, my wife said to her, now, now sweetie, you remember the phrase that we tell the truth from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. And I'm looking for the truth. The little girl started looking around like she was looking for Waldo, you know, eyes darting around. She finally she said, Mrs. Whitaker, I can't find the truth. <laughs> now, I don't know if she was actually looking for it on a bookshelf or if she was actually thinking abstractly in terms of metaphor, that she really couldn't find the truth. She couldn't tell it completely from the beginning to the end. But it seems consistent with the Proverbs that the Proverbs want us to do the same. They want us to tell the truth from the beginning to the end of the story. So I want to divide my comments concerning honesty and integrity into three groups. First, personal honesty. Second, professional honesty. And third, 
community honesty. First, uh, personal honesty. This is a proverb, though it doesn't come from Proverbs. It comes from the book of Luke, and it's the words of Jesus. Here are these words. One who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Summary of the statement, an honest person is an honest person. A dishonest person is a dishonest person. It doesn't make any difference what the storyline. It doesn't make any difference how small your responsibility or how large. You're either honest or you're not. See, that statement suggests that honesty and integrity are not situational. True honesty and integrity are marks of character. They are true. You know, it's also true The character travels with us to every situation, thus honesty. It's it's within us, and it goes wherever we go. It's within us, and we speak truthfully or not in all kinds of situations. Because it's about character, not about situations. A person came to mind when I was thinking about this, and it was Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was an honest character. And as a matter of fact, when he was given responsibility of any sort, he was so honest that everybody recognized his honesty, and eventually he is promoted over and over again until he becomes the vice regent of the whole nation of Egypt. Why? Because he was a person of integrity in the small things and in the large things. Here's another proverb, not from the book of Proverbs, again, words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 37. Let what you say simply be yes or no. End of sentence. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. What does that refer to? Well, it actually has in the backdrop this cultural situation that Jesus was speaking into. Because people would say things like, this is the truth, and I swear it's the truth based on this. I swear by. You know what was interesting? When people said, this is the truth, and they wanted you to believe it, they would say, I swear by the temple. But what's also interesting about this, never been able to figure that one out. If they swore by the temple, you might suspect that it was not fully honest. By the temple? That's not like full honesty. No, as a matter of fact, if you really wanted to ratchet it up a little bit and argue that you were really being honest, you would say, I swear by the gold on the temple. Then everybody would know, wow, he's really honest. 
Jesus into that context says, are you kidding me? Why do we do that? Why do we have to swear upon this or that or anything else? Let's just be truthful, period. Now, again, we, we look at them, and you might want to criticize. If you're a critic like me, you always do that. Why would somebody swear on the temple and then swear on the gold of the temple and swear? Why not just say what you believe? Say what is true or what is false? Well, how about something like this? I swear on my grandmother's grave. You ever heard anybody say that? Or how about something like this? I swear this is true on a stack of Bibles, right? Or I am serious about this. I am really telling the truth. Why do we have to emphasize we're really telling the truth? Because other times we're not telling the truth. We want you to know for sure that this time you're serious. Jesus steps into our culture too, right? And he says, stop it already. And as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking, how many times do I say something similar? No, I'm really serious. I'm telling the whole truth. Jesus said, don't. Don't. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And you know what happens when your yes is yes and your no is no? Then you have a history of integrity. And you don't have to swear by anything. Because people say, that's a person of integrity. That's what Jesus said he wanted us to do. Third proverb that relates to personal honesty actually comes from the book of Proverbs. And it's this, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Actually, that was a real problem for the disciples. Why? Because they had this notion, as many around them did, that if you were wealthy, you were blessed by God. So much so that even if the person was unscrupulous in their business dealings, you would turn the eye and say, well, but he's blessed by God because he's rich. The proverb says, I don't care how wealthy you can become. By being devious or not fully honest, it's not worth it. You're better off poor with integrity than rich and lacking in integrity. Um, You might say, well, that's a no-brainer. I believe that. Well, how about this one then? Suppose you say to yourself, as I think we often do, that person is very, very successful. And success is a very good thing. You might even take the step to say, that person is successful, he or she always wins, he or she, the list goes on. That person must be blessed by God. But that person is dishonest. How does it match up with this proverb? Better be poor and honest than wealthy and dishonest. From personal honesty to professional honesty, what do we hear in terms of that wisdom from Proverbs and the book of Proverbs and other places? Here's a proverb. 
Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord, and false scales are not good. Now, we don't think so much in terms of weights and measurements now, and the reason we don't is because we have coins that are imprinted with the value on them, right? If I show you a quarter, you know how much it's worth. If I show you a dime or a nickel or a penny, if I show you a dollar, if I show you 50 or or $100, you know the value of that object. It doesn't change, of course, except for inflation and stuff like that, but you know the value, right? Before coins were minted, there was another way to determine value, and it had to do with weights. Now, you do perhaps remember these stories about an unscrupulous seller of something who would put his thumb on the right side or the left side to make it higher or lower, depending on what would gain him the highest price. Well, in a similar way, weights and measurements were used in the ancient world. And what they would do is they would say, you need to give this amount of weight in order to get that object, right? And then they would use a counterweight to determine whether or not you came up to the level that you could buy the object. And the proverb refers to another passage in the book of Deuteronomy that says, when you travel, speaking primarily to business people, when you travel, don't have unequal weights. And don't weight some people more than other people. In other words, a rock or some kind of object. And that weight was higher than it should be. Or let's say a particular product, a piece of cloth inside of which is grain, but inside of which is also a stone. So the weight of the grain is technically higher than the grain in the bag. But the buyer doesn't know. So the buyer just keeps pulling out coins to get the weight equal. And the seller knows exactly what he's doing. There are all kinds of ways to modify weights and measures. And the proverb knew it. And it said, this is an abomination to God. If you do that, you're in the crosshairs of God's judgment. Don't gouge the buyer. Don't jack up prices. Even, now I speak to us, okay? Even if it's standard protocol to do so. When I'm thinking about this, I can't honestly, I can't help think about the price of hotels when IU has a football game in town. Seriously, it's, it's completely out there in the open. Seems to be apparently fully legal. But I tell you, try it sometime. Even if you live here and you don't need a hotel room, call for a hotel room on the weekend that there's not a football game and then call the same place and ask for the price on the day that there is a football game. I did it one time. I did it one time, but I didn't expect it. I was naive. We had a speaker coming to town. He was going to be here on a weekend, and there was a football game on that weekend. And I was looking for a place for him to stay. And I went to three different hotels, and the hotel price was something like $300 for one night. Now, I know those hotels, and none of them were $300 for one night every day of the week. And one time I asked. I just was frustrated, and I said something about it. <laughs> 
And the clerk said, well, there's a football game in town. It is what it is. We can, so we do. Here's the point, and I'll say more about this later. Jesus calls us to a higher ethic. You don't gouge the buyer. You're fair in your dealings with everybody. Let me put it another way. Widely accepted practices are not synonymous with righteousness or proper ethics. We don't take our marching orders from the market. We take them from what is fair. Professional dishonesty, it's bad for the public square. And professional honesty, it helps to create a just society. I don't know if you've ever traveled in countries where corruption is absolutely the standard, widespread. I have. It's really difficult because the goalposts are always moving. The exchange rate is never stable, and you get ripped off. On those occasions, you better have a person from that country with you when you go to buy. They know the game. Unequal weights create chaos in our economic society. A second proverb concerning professional honesty. Isaiah 59, 14, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public square, and uprightness cannot enter there. Wow, th those are chilling words. Righteousness is just banished. It's on the outside. The truth is, is like a person who can't even walk. It stumbles right there in the public square. And uprightness, it can't even enter the gates. It can't even get a corner because everything is unjust. Because dishonesty is everywhere. Isaiah was speaking this because that's the way the society was at the time he spoke. Everything was corrupt. There was no honesty in the public market. There was no justice in the government, and there was no honesty among its leaders. Personal and professional honesty create just societies, and it's surely the opposite as well. My friends, when, when lying is routine in our world, Wherever you see it, publicly, in leadership, among businesses, when lying is routine, we get used to it, and we become desensitized. And then 
like the little girl in my wife's office, we actually can't find the truth. Professional honesty is incredibly important. One more verse under that category of professional honesty. Paul speaking to the Ephesians says something about professional honesty and its effect on community, not just society at large, but the community into which he speaks, the community of Christ and society at large. And he says this, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as if you're evildoers, they may actually see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. In other words, my friends, says Paul, in this tight-knit Christian community, we must function in such a way that we live above the social norm in terms of our ethic, in terms of our responsibility, in terms of honesty and morality and decency. We have to live up here. We don't look around our world and say everybody's doing it so it's okay. We have to live up here because the standard we hold out is the standard of Jesus Christ. And we are in the public arena to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And if you're in the public arena as an ambassador to Jesus Christ and you're dishonest, you are defaming the name of Christ your Lord. Don't do it, says Paul. Be people of integrity. There's something else going on when we speak of community honesty. And now I do move to community honesty. And when we speak of the community that's supposed to hold up a higher ethic, we realize that in the community we could actually edify the community or destroy it in the same way that we could edify the public square or destroy the public square. So First Peter says this, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Dishonesty, gossip, whispering, creates dissension, creates strife, it creates conflict. You might initially say, well, this is about honesty, right? Yes, it is. But it's about more than that. Let me read on. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, speak the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Speak the truth in love. Community honesty always edifies the other person. So let me extrapolate something from those verses that I believe to be true. Integrity and honesty does not mean that you always speak 
the brutal truth, as we frequently want to claim. Doesn't mean that. Sometimes the brutal truth is more like a hammer than a surgeon's knife. Sometimes the brutal truth does nothing to edify the body or the individual. And we hide behind, I'm just saying the brutal truth, when in reality we are not in any way speaking the truth in love. Suppose for a minute that I hate Doobie. You know I don't. We're good friends and brothers. But suppose I hate his guts. And for the longest time, I've been pretending like I like him. And then some cockamamie preacher like me gets up and talks about honesty, and I feel compelled to go tell Doobie how much I hate him. And I sit down with Doobie over coffee. I say, I hate your guts. I hate everything about you. You drive me crazy. Every time I see you, my stomach turns. That's brutally honest. If it's true, it's not a shred of that kind of honesty that's edifying. You know what? If I hate Doobie, I need to confess it to God and maybe to another and ask for forgiveness. I don't need to go to Doobie to ask forgiveness for hating him because it damages him even when I do what seems to be right. So Paul is saying, speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean you say everything. It doesn't mean you always speak the truth. It means sometimes you actually hold your tongue. Imagine that. And you don't say what you're thinking. Because what you're thinking, even if it's true, could damage. Community honesty standard is to lift one another up. That doesn't mean that we don't speak hard truths, but we speak them in love. So I end the sermon with one question. Why? Why is integrity and honesty so important? And I give you three short answers. Number one, because to live according to honesty and integrity It's a better way of life. It's just a better way of life. You live with a free conscience. You're not sullied by lies. You're not constantly trying to figure out a way to avoid what you know is the truth. You're not always trying to figure out a way to get out of a trap. You're just honest. You're truthful. Second reason why honesty is so important is because it's better for others. Society, in a large sense, and community in the church, it's better for others. Can you imagine, just imagine for a moment, a world in which you looked into the face of another, any other, not a friend or a relative or a trusted advisor, but you looked into the face of another and you never suspected that the answer would be anything but honest. 
Imagine that world. Talk about paradise. Maybe that world is heaven. I know it's not our world, but I also know this. Jesus prayed and told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So how does the kingdom of God come down? When we become this. There's a third reason for why honesty and integrity. And honestly, it's the most important. The others are pragmatic. This one has to do with the essence of your being. The reason it's important to be honest and full of integrity is because when you are, you reflect the image of God. You reflect the image of God. You know your highest priority should not be to avoid divine judgment. Sometimes we talk as though that is our highest priority. Our highest priority ought to be reflecting the image of God because we were made for that. And when we do, our life is better and our world is better exponentially. It's our calling. Let's pray. Lord, for the grace that comes to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we thank you. We stand here um, squeamish as we hear words about personal honesty and professional honesty and community honesty. And we do that because none of us is perfectly honest. We're not perfectly honest with ourselves. We're not perfectly honest with others. But you call us to that kind of honesty. And actually, it would be a weight um, too heavy to bear if you didn't also give us something called grace. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, you were absolutely, perfectly honest. You were full of integrity. Indeed, you were without sin. And Lord, in the person of Jesus Christ, you became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So as we consider our responsibility as honest citizens of the kingdom of God, we pray that you will help us to begin by confession, that we will be honest concerning who we are, which is not always honest people. And then you will help us, Lord, by your grace, to grow into the character of Christ, which is the perfect image of God. These things we pray in your name. Amen.